The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Rothkoff, joined by your other co-hosts, Chris Cotwar and Riley Fessler. How you doing, Chris? Doing great, thank you. How are you doing, Riley? It's a federal holiday today. It's hard to see what it you're is at indeed. Work. <laughs> I'm doing well, all things considered. Excellent. What's the first story, Chris? So I usually start with. Uh, checking the trending uh, stories on Twitter. And generally speaking, they are usually, or they usually leave me wanting. But today, uh, John Fetterman was trending. So I clicked and tons of stories about John Fetterman. Some some are a little older, but I want to kind of cover them all. Um, first is He's apparently fighting for free school lunches in Pennsylvania, which um, I can't even believe is a thing right now. Um, Tommy Tuberville, he's expressed his displeasure in the hearings uh, for Tommy Tuberville's blocking of uh, uh, military promotions. Um, The third thing is he introduced a resolution to strip Senator Menendez of his committee assignments, um, barring his access to classified information. And the fourth and probably my favorite, Biden's Democratic critics need to shut the F up. And I'm sure he was stronger in his language. I fundamentally believe he's going to win. He is earned and is absolutely entitled to have our full support. Who are you helping other than Trump if you're going to be running your mouth about that stuff. John Fetterman is the kind of person that we need fighting for our country. And um, and Pennsylvania is lucky to have him. No question about it. Fetterman is, uh, you know, people talk about him being kind of weird because he wears shorts and things like that. I uh, don't think that's weird. I wear shorts a lot also. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he's actually kind of a normie guy, you know, that's why he got elected in Pennsylvania. He's kind of like a lot of other Pennsylvanians. Um, and they look at him and they see him talking the way they talk and acting the way they act and they like it. It's a good thing. I think it's excellent. Uh, as for his last comments regarding democratic critics shutting the F up, good point. But if you want a insight, into where the political landscape is today. If you haven't listened to the podcast we did yesterday with Simon Rosenberg and Tom Bonnier, please go do it. Uh, we don't even have a break in the middle of it for uh, 
uh, members and non-members to cut. I wanted to make sure even non-members could hear the whole thing. It's terrific. It's optimistic. It's fact-based. It's useful information. Um, and it's way better than the political analysis you probably were getting from other sources. So go get it. Riley? Well, speaking of, uh, my first story broke actually yesterday during the recording of that podcast, so we covered a little bit there. Um, for those who missed it, Joe Manchin announced that he will not seek re-election. Um, and this comes as he was considered the Senate Democrat most in danger of losing their seat. Um, as we know, he is the um, basically lone Democrat in the deeply red West Virginia and polls show that Governor Jim Justice was the front runner in that race. So it's not entirely surprising that he was not going to run again. We know that there was pressure from other Democrats for him to run again. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. But the fear is that in his announcement, he said that he would still be kind of looking into running as a third-party centrist. Um, the speculation is that No Labels is kind of courting him to be their candidate which would be a disaster. So that is kind of the, you know, aside from the fact that it's now going to be harder for the Democrats to maintain control of the Senate, the threat of him running as a third party, I think, is what's going to keep me up at night leading into the election. As it should, these third party candidacies are, uh, like no labels in particular, are essentially stalking horses for Trump. You know, they feel the appeal, few percentage of votes away from Biden, that's how Hillary Clinton lost, um, uh, particularly, you know, I think it was a total of 70,000 votes in three battleground states. Uh, that could happen again this time. And, uh, um, you know, we've got we've got a little cluster of people going for this and Manchin should know better. But Manchin always um, does the thing that sort of sticks his thumb in the eye of the rest of the Democratic Party. That's why when this happened yesterday, I tweeted out just one word, which was Newman, like in Seinfeld. That's, you know, whenever Newman would show up, it would be trouble. And whenever I see Manchin, I think, Newman. Chris? Hello, Manchin. <laughs> the next story I latched on to because of a tweet um, that you sent on Thursday or Wednesday evening. Uh, regarding the foreign policy chops of the Republican candidates. And I came across an interesting story this morning uh, that Chris Christie is going to Israel. Um, I can't believe it. All of our problems are solved because apparently Chris Christie uh, has been invited by Israel's foreign ministry for a visit, um, and he's been coordinating logistics for the last six days. Um, isn't that a great thing? The Republicans taking interest in foreign policy in such an important region in the world, David, I, I, I think this thing. is great. You're so right to admire them for what they're doing selflessly for America. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, I mean, first of all, the, the tweet that I submit that you're referring to was that I've been teaching foreign policy and national security at the graduate level for most of the past 20 years at a variety of places, mostly Columbia University, and none of these people would have passed my course. You know, everything that they suggested, frankly, 
um, with very, very few exceptions, um, would make the situations they were talking about worse. And almost to, to a per- actually to a person, their response to the Israel thing was to get as close to the Bibi Netanyahu maximalist position of let's destroy Hamas. We are not going to give them any second guessing. Do whatever they want. Give them all the weapons they want. If Iran gets into this, let's destroy Iran. You know, I mean, real um, uh, irresponsible um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, jingoistic nonsense uh, that would make every situation worse. It'll create more terrorists that'll spread the war throughout the region um, uh, and will not advance the peace and security of anybody, uh, not advance U.S. interests. They don't care. They just want to sound tough. For some reason, they think this is a good position for them. That's why Chris Christie is going. That's why Ron DeSantis was there and he sent an airplane. Um, uh, You know, and some of them are even worse. You know, Vivek. I mean, you know, I mean, dude's a lunatic, just a lunatic. And if you think, oh, well, Rothkopf's being partisan, nonsense. He's certifiable. Guy belongs in uh, some sort of care facility. Riley? Uh, Keeping the focus on Israel, uh, the White House announced that Israel had agreed to daily four-hour pauses in fighting in order to allow humanitarian aid in while also allowing citizens to flee. Um, Other aspects of this, they announced that there would be another corridor opening up to allow civilians to flee. Um, And also they agreed that they would announce when these four-hour pauses would take place three hours in advance. So it's part of the Biden administration's effort to, you know, try and get some humanitarian aid into Israel and, kind of stop some of the more horrific civilian casualties and costs in this. Biden admitted that he had pushed for longer pauses, um, but, you know, obviously this is what they were able to get. So tough, tough on that front. He was hoping to get some more movement on hostage negotiations. Uh, but interestingly, an Israeli military spokesperson denied that there was any shift in strategy Um, after the National Security Council spokesperson gave the press conference announcing these changes. So, you know, whether that's just to not appear weak or if they're kind of reneging on this deal, I'm kind of curious what that means. I'm curious your thoughts on that, David. It's A. It's to not appear weak. They don't want to appear like they're taking any direction. It is what we call in the foreign policy world dickish behavior. Right, Chris? That's right. That's right. What's your next story there, Chris? My next story is a a fun Friday story. So I came across this article in the Washington Post um, about how Americans are confused about tipping culture, um, using the word tipflation. And a couple of things. um, When we were in the middle of the pandemic, uh, delivery people were essential workers, touted as heroes. And people are happy to tip now. Um, it seems, and you know, you can go and read stories of servers and delivery folk and other people about uh, 
tipping. Um, but at the end of the day, I think tipping has sort of um, engulfed just about every single thing uh, that you buy or every single service um, that that you hire somebody for. <clears throat> Generally speaking, tipping, you should be tipping your restaurant restaurant servers. You should be tipping the person that cuts your hair. Um, yes. You should. I'm so glad if, we're giving this kind of advice out here. Yeah. What else? No, if 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 you're if you're getting somebody to deliver your food, you essentially hired them. You should be tipping them. The amount is perhaps uh, up for debate, but yeah, because you're probably a cheapskate and you give them no, like eight, no, 8%. no. I, I am, I am not a cheapskate. But you know what I'll say? DoorDash will suggest the tip, not based on the amount of money that you're spending. But based on how far the person has to go, so I've had situations where a sixty-dollar food bill has a sixteen-dollar and fifty-cent tip attached to it. That's a little excessive to me. What are you like ordering food from Manhattan? I mean, seriously? <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's like five miles away. If the you know, well, I'm you just know, saying, folks, like, I I just got to say, we never on giving you useful advice. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, Chris is right. In the United States, you should give people tips. Around the world, there are a lot of societies where if you offer somebody a tip, they're insulted. Because it's like, oh, you mean you're better than me? Uh, or, oh, you mean you didn't expect me to provide good service? That's what I do. It's my profession. And they're also paid well enough that they don't need or expect the tips. Uh, I think that this tipflation thing has actually been technologically boosted because now I go into every restaurant and there, you know, you fill out on the little machine and there's three boxes, you know, there's the kind of low box, which is what a tip used to be. Then there's a middle box, which is higher than that. And then there's a high, you know, so it's 15, 20 and 25% or whatever. And you know, you can never tip, you know, if you don't, you can't tip, pick the low box because that's an insult. So if you like them, you got to pick the high box. Well, the high box is 25% or 22%. Well, you never would have given that before or seldom, right? But now typically they're getting 25%. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, after every podcast, I have to send Riley 25% tip. And, you know, I think, I think my checks are getting lost in the mail, David. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, well, I should, you know, <laughs> no, I think Chris is handling that. Aren't you in charge of tipping Ryler? I am. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I try to take care of him. Yeah. No, <laughs> but you know, if you provide shitty service, he gets a shitty. Tip. <laughs> What's the last story, Riley? Well, ending on a good news story for once, which is, I like to try and do, but yeah, you know, it's been a little grim lately. The pandas um, got home. The pandas are okay. They're back yeah, in panda, China. Pan, Happy not home. to be in D.C. Yeah. <laughs> but also Brazil's National Institute of Space Research announced that deforestation in the country fell to a five-year low, down 22.3% from last year, which is obviously great news from climate perspective. The good news uh, is less deforestation. The bad news is it's because there are no trees left. <laughs> There's just right. one tree. 
Yeah, the, the single tree protected by the Lorax is all this <laughs> I was just going to say. But yeah, I mean, this is this is part of this uh, President Lula da Silva's platform. Um, deforestation was at a 15-year high under Bolsonaro. Um, so you know, they're trying to rebuild some of the protections that were already in place, which is frustrating, but good to see that there's progress there. Um, well, that is good news. That is, so think, you know, that's a positive. That I mean, you know, because we need those trees because they consume carbon dioxide and they produce oxygen or something like that. And I mean, I think that's they're like the lungs of the world, aren't they? That's what we refer to the Amazon rainforest as the lungs of the world. And I know lungs are important uh, because, you know, I've been educated. Uh, so, well, that's 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 real good. Uh, are you planning to have a really exciting three-day weekend, Riley? Or you're probably working today. So, you know, and, that, and you'll be working <laughs> Monday. So, actually, you're not really getting one, are you? Um, you know, no, but still going to make the most of my two day weekend. Well, that's, that's good. But I mean, don't we have a podcast later today on things like nukes, the, the, the bulletin of atomic scientists meeting that John Wolfstall went to? Yes, we, we do indeed. So we're all going to die radio going to drop again today should be an interesting one. So keep your eyes open for that one or ears, I suppose. Yeah. No, if you if you're having a good weekend and you want to make sure that you know you bring it down a couple notches, listen. We're all going <laughs> to die. Radio. Uh, do you have weekend plans, Chris? Swim meet. Swim meet. That's it. No, the people who listen don't realize that Chris is a swim meet um, official because his son is a swimmer, and so every weekend Chris is at a swim meet, officiating and disqualifying your sons and daughters, um, which seems kind of mean, Chris. If you really want another trip, you got to teach them. You got to teach them when they're young. You know, you got to get those arms up on the fly. Um, Don't be delaying your turn in uh, backstroke either, because I'll be right there raising my hand. Next week, Chris will give you some swimming tips on this show, just like we gave tipping tips today. It's it's all self help. Um, For now. I'm so darn grateful that I'm able to have this kind of conversation each and every morning with you, Chris and Riley. Uh, and I hope our readers are, and if they listeners, and if they want to hear something different from us, you know, send a text or a Slack or carrier pigeon, and we'll try to do what we can to adjust. Um, in the meantime, have a good weekend, everybody. And we'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>